Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Oh, come on. I wasn't sure if I should be saying happy Remembrance Day, but you know what? It is a happy day because somebody sacrificed. They didn't sacrifice down in the trenches for you to live a life of morose, solemn, lack of freedom. Now, we, we have observed that, and we always will. It should be a holy moment to our country and to our people, and it should be a holy moment to you. Sacrifice is a powerful thing, but it was for something. It was for the joy of freedom. It was the freedom of expression of religion. It was for the freedom that we enjoy right now in our lives. Sacrifice is this thing that I think what makes sacrifice powerful is, is I had to write this down because I wanted you to think about this as we talk about Joshua's life of sacrifice. But sacrifice is powerful. It tells somebody, I think you're worth this even if you don't. When somebody sacrifices their life for you, they say, I think that your life is worth my life, even if you don't. When you sacrifice for somebody, you're saying, I think that you're worth this, even if you don't think you're worth this. When Christ sacrificed his life for you, he said, I think that you're worth this, even if you don't think you're worth this. No sacrifice goes unnoticed in the sight of heaven. But the sacrifices were, were not for for Canadians to live a mediocre life. The sacrifices of our men and women who have lived and died protecting not just our freedom, but the freedom of those around the world were so that they could live all the life that they were supposed to live. Not a video game playing mediocre, sleeping in late kind of an existence. And if you want your life to matter, sacrifice must be one of its pillars. Now, I don't know where you're at uh, in the spectrum of following Jesus. A lot of us here do, and a lot of us here a year ago didn't, but do now. But if you're checking out Christianity, and if you're checking out faith, sooner or later you need to understand that because God is a sacrificial God, he has sacrificed his son for your sins, that sooner or later if you come to Christ, I just want you to know what you're, you're getting yourself into. Sooner or later, Jesus will ask you to sacrifice your freedom so that somebody else can live free. Isn't that what sacrifice was when our soldiers went? They sacrificed their freedom so that you could live free. And sooner or later, Jesus will ask you for that. But see, celebrating sacrifice during, during these times of struggle has almost become unfashionable. Be careful that if you were born free, you don't forget why you were born free. There are those among us who came from, from places and countries where they weren't born free. They understand the need for the sacrifice. We're picking up our story in the life of Joshua. We're talking about there are five disciplines that Joshua needs to, to employ in his life that God is training him to be disciplined so that he can go out and be successful and go out and live the life that God wants him to live and go out and live the life that his nation wants to live. But see, he's taken, he's taken a group of people who were slaves for over 400 years. So the people that he's dealing with were not born free. Their parents were not born free. So they understand this better than you understand this. He is transforming a nation of slaves into a nation of free men and free women. But I wonder if they knew when they were moving into the promised land that the fight that they were fighting was also a fight for you. 
I wonder if you've ever thought about that. Is there something in your life that you're being asked to sacrifice or to give up? I wonder if you've ever stopped in the middle of that sacrifice and said, okay, but this is not just about me. It's not just only about me. There is a freedom that comes only after struggle, but make no mistake about it, the struggle is not for the faint of heart. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. He told them, Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land. And that sounds like Canada. He's given us a place of, it's not without its struggle, but it's not the struggle. A place of rest. He has given you this land. Your wives, children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan. Keep that in mind. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. So here we have, we have the, the 12 tribes of Israel, and we have two and a half tribes who on the east side of the Jordan River, um, Moses has already, they have already taken land from other kings, and they already have their inheritance. But in this passage of scripture, God is telling Joshua to tell the people that, okay, two and a half of the tribes, and I love how it's the two and a half tribes because I think sometimes Canada, we suffer with this like insignificant thing. We're not the biggest, we're not the best, and yet you heard in the words of Billy Graham that there could be something that we could do. And so what he's saying is, okay, two and a half tribes, you're, you're, you've already been given your possession, Canada. You've already been given your possession, but I want you now to pass in front of the rest of Israel, in front of the rest of the world, perhaps, in front of the rest of the world armed, because until they have rest, can you truly be at rest? It's not just about you, Canada, having rest. It's about our brothers and sisters around the world also having rest. And he says, stay with them until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you rest, and until they too possess the land the Lord your God has given them. Only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned to you. He's saying the rest that you really want is not to be wasted or squandered on your own pleasures. It is until everybody comes and finds the rest and freedom that God intended for them to find. There, there is that kind of a rest that only comes after you pass armed in front of the rest. Before you engage in the battle for the rest. Only afterwards. <laughs> There's the type of, of, of rest in your finances that only comes after you fight about the budget. <laughs> we got a freedom session, a small group in here. Only after we still fight about the budget. There's a rest in your finances that God wants for you. Only after you have that fight. And fight again. And then maybe fight again. There's a rest that God wants for you uh, if you're in freedom session, getting free, saying goodbye to your yesterday. Not saying goodbye to it, but settling your past so that you can have your tomorrow. There's this rest that your whole group needs to come to, not just you. So there's this rest that you won't enter until they also enter their rest. The struggle is not just about you, moms and, uh, or dads. When you're figuring out your kids, there are other people with kids too that need help. It's not just about figuring out your teenager when they're acting like a teenager. It's not just figuring them out, it's, it's figuring how to get God more into their lives and their lives where they need to go so that, because there are your friends who also have teenagers or teenagers coming. It is not just about you fighting the fight that you're fighting so that you can have more rest and more peace in your life. It's not just about you. There, there are people coming behind you. You need to go in front of them and, and fight that battle. 
just because someone gets baptized doesn't mean that they know how to fight yet. I mean, if you get baptized, you're just like, your eyes are open to the war that you are already in. You were just on the side of the enemy in the dungeon. You just didn't know. And now you get baptized, and you give your life to Christ and go public with it, and then somebody hands you a sword and says, well, <laughs> there's the devil. <laughs> Charge. <laughs> you, they don't know how yet. So, so if, if you've been lucky enough to be a Christ follower longer than they have, then I guess you could get up earlier in the morning and pray for them because they don't know how to do that yet. Because they're going to need the strength and the faith that they don't know how to do yet. It's not just about the, the struggle that you're experiencing. But there comes a time in your life when you have to decide whether to get in the fight or keep watching from the sidelines. I discovered this week that victory does not come at the end of the battle. That's not really when victory comes. Victory comes when you decide to sacrifice everything that you need to sacrifice. That's when the victory happens. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for you and his way was a way of sacrifice and, and I win the battles that I'm facing and I win the battles that I'm helping you with, the moment that I decide I will sacrifice everything I need to sacrifice for you to be free. There's nothing the devil can do about that. Let me let you in on a little secret. I believe in the devil. Do you believe in the devil? Your forefathers believed in the devil because they lived in the countries sometimes and some of them where the devil had them by the throat. We're lucky enough to be free, but I believe in the devil I believe that God is stronger than the devil. And I believe that the devil will always try to get you to sacrifice and always put you on a cross, but he doesn't, just can't get into his head that there's always a resurrection after. <laughs> he put the king of glory on a cross when he died for your sins and there was a resurrection after and he would have still done it just because he's mean like that. I love the power of the living God. It comes when you decide, I don't want to be comfortable anymore. You know, I feel like, like Canada needs to be the place that does what Venue Church is trying to do, where we comfort the disturbed and we disturb the comfortable. You like that? Oh, where we comfort the disturbed and we disturb the comfortable. Freedom was not free. I think about the, the time where my, my mother and my father, they, they had everything that you probably are working so hard to get in your life. They had a new house at the time. This was some decades ago, and Ryan and I were just little. And, um, and they were living um, kind of east of Edmonton in a little town of about 500 people, and they had it all. They had the, the careers. Uh, they had the new house. They had the car. They had the boat. They had everything that you're working every, your whole life for. And some of us are lucky enough to get, but then, you know, once you get them, then what? And they were lucky enough to, be, uh, to know Christ and to be going to church, but there was this time in their lives when they, were, they started to get un uncomfortable. They started to kind of get, like they were comfortable, but then God didn't want them to be comfortable and because their purpose in this life and their real mission wasn't being fulfilled yet. And uh, many people die the death of the comfortable in Canada. I pray that that's never me, man. Put, put boots on my feet. You're not going to kill me running away from the enemy. I'm going to be coming in, chanting something to get my courage up. <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, they, they moved to Pasadena, California, Los Angeles, and this is in the 80s. And um, this is before you could Google what it looked like and what it was like. And, um, I mean, if, if it was something came on the news and you kind of know what it looked like, uh, nobody under 30 has any idea what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> You know, they moved there, they picked up their family, they rented their house out, they left all of this stuff behind to work for a missions organization in Pasadena, California. I mean, these are like country, you know, I'm not going to say bumpkins, but <laughs> you can tell you're from the country when you're kind of all matchy-matchy. 
<laughs> it's from Peter Rabbit. Has anybody seen the movie Peter Rabbit? I love that movie. <laughs> That's not what they were. They were just comfortable and they were safe. And yet God called them to, to, to leave. And if he hadn't called them to, to leave, then maybe we wouldn't have baptized 59 people last year. I'm just saying, because he disturbed something that was comfortable inside of them. Has that ever happened to you in your life when you're like, everything kind of looks to be good, but you just know that it's not enough yet. You know you're not living in your purpose and you know you're not being fulfilled in your purpose yet. And so they left and, and uh, everything was new for them. We're at a place in our church where we're growing, we're just restructuring, but I feel like every person that I talked to in the last month is in this place of kind of discomfort. And we're worried and we're starting to panic a little bit because we know that we don't have enough for the fight in front of us and, and we're starting to realize that. And even me, and I don't get worried about stuff. I've kind of been sweating a bit. When God calls you on, onward, you've never been there and so you don't know what it's going to look like because you've never been there. But thankfully, God does, and he just says, relax, and we don't, because we think we're more important than God sometimes. Like, we got a God, I'll figure it out. They moved to Los Angeles, but they had no idea what, like, racial tension was, really. They never lived with it, because everybody looked like them where they came from. <laughs> they moved to Los Angeles with, like, eight lanes of one-way traffic. You just don't go outside for six hours a day. You just sit in traffic, and, and personal safety just wasn't, wasn't there. One time, my mom went to a post office. And this was before Google, Google Maps, and so you actually had to look on an, a map map <laughs> on paper, Und, under 30s. <laughs> you some were looking at me like post office. A post office was a place <laughs> where you used to write with pen and ink on actual paper and then fold it up and put it in an envelope made of paper and then put a stamp on it and then address it to somebody. And light years later, <laughs> it, it arrived there. And they leave, there's no like email and there's no FaceTime, there's no nothing. And they go and they didn't have the money because dad didn't have his green card. So they ate into their savings, which also broke my parents, particularly my dad, because my dad's family is like competent and they earn a living and they provide for their own. And God's like, I need you to learn how to live with me for a little bit where I'm in charge of that and where I'm your God and where I'm the provider. And it broke them. And my mom went down to the post office one time and she ended up driving down in, into Los Angeles into the hood. <laughs> And this big guy comes over to her car. I don't know if she'd gotten out of the car yet or not, but he comes over and he goes, he goes, little white lady, what are you doing down here? She didn't know. Little white lady, you got, oh, you brought your boys with you. What are you doing down in the hood? Little white lady, get in your car and follow my truck out of here, and don't stop for anything. Sometimes you want to live a life of where the battle is. Look, you can, you can look for the battle, or it can find you eventually. <laughs> and they went and looked, and they got out of their comfort zone where they had to learn about these things and, and learn about life in a different way, life in a harder place, but life in a better place. I asked my dad one time because he, he couldn't, earn money there and so we were just eating into our family savings but all my friends had, the, had toys and stuff and I asked him one time like have, you, have your kids ever done this have you ever done this as a kid are you just I had totally forgotten about this until dad brought it up and he's like yeah you asked me if I could get a real job one time so that I could have what everybody else had and I it was a time of breaking for our family my sometimes there wasn't food in the fridge and God provided for us day in and day out and we learned that God is still on the throne and my mom woke up one time in a, in a panic attack in the middle of the night and couldn't remember her own name. 
not easy times. We sort of think that the promised land that Joshua was taking Israel into and the promised land that Canada is in is so that we can live a life of ease and comfort. We think that that's what it was all for because we're amazing. And God wants freedom for you to sit around and do nothing and play video games more and eat more chips. But God created freedom so that you could reach your destiny and your potential so that Canada could feed the world and Canada could shelter the world and Canada could, could reach out and reach the world. Because you'll never find your purpose until you help somebody find theirs. In NXT, we, we, we train you after um, the service at 12. We do our NXT. If you, you want to get to know more about Venue Church and more about you and how to get plugged in and what's next for you, we teach you in there that you'll never discover your purpose until you help somebody else find their purpose. And that's what Venue Church is all about. And that's what Canada as a, as a whole corporately as a nation needs to be all about is helping other people find their purpose, not just finding ours. In fact, you can't find yours until you help somebody find theirs. That's when God helps you find yours, and that's how that works. But there comes a time in your life when you realize that war is inevitable, whether you try to find it or not, that it's coming to you. So do you want to meet it out there, or do you want to wait until it meets you at home? Numbers 21 uh, says this in verse 21, the Israelites sent ambassadors to King Sion of the Amorites with this message. Now, this is before they're entering the promised land. This is actually when Moses is still alive. So, so they've come out of Egypt, a band of slaves. They've come out of Egypt, and they're wandering around in the wilderness here, and they ask this King Sion of the Amorites if they can just pass through his land. Let us travel through your land, they said. We will be careful not to go through the fields and vineyards. We won't even drink water from the wells. We will stay on the king's road until we have passed through your territory. They're like, we're just a band of slaves. We just want to live. We're, we're not going to cause any trouble. It's when you go to the supermarket and take your two-year-old. You're just like, Wait, I just don't want any trouble. I just, I just don't want any trouble. But Sion refused to let them cross his territory. Instead, he mobilized his entire army and attacked Israel in the wilderness, engaging them in battle at Jahaz. It's when you're minding your own business and... You look up and you find yourself engaged in a fight that you didn't want. What are you going to do? Verse 33, then they turned and marched up. What happened after King Sion attacked them was by the grace of God, they won that battle and protected their people. And then verse 33, then they turned and marched up the road to Bashan. But King Og of Bashan, King Og. <laughs> you invited Og to the dinner party? Og? He's not cultured. He just eats everything. Og. <laughs> King Og. How'd you like that? The King Og of Bashan and all his people attacked them at Adria. Then the Lord said to Moses, Do not be afraid of him, for I have handed him over to you, along with all his people in his land. Do the same to him as you did to King Sion of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon. Deuteronomy 3 and 8, I, I'm, I, I'm coming back to Og. What kind of a destiny are you giving a child named Dog? I think he's going to be a physicist. Nope. Nope. Maybe an ogre. Did, I just thought of that right now. Yeah, some of you are getting it. It says, so we took the land of the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River all the way from Arnon Gorge to Mount Hermon. Verse 10, we had now conquered all the cities on the plateau and all Gilead and Bashan as far as the towns of which were part of Og's kingdom in Bashan. Now it says this here. King Og of Bashan was the last survivor of the giant 
Raphaites. His bed was made of iron and was more than 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. It can still be seen in the Ammonite city of Rabbah. There was a race of giants, and, and this giant was a king. Now it starts to like take a little flesh on the bones here, and you start realizing that that these guys that attacked Israel when they were weak on the east side of the Jordan and the land that the two and a half tribes ended up taking over, they actually had to fight for from King Sion and this Og. Can you imagine a bed 13 feet long and six feet wide? How big is this guy? How big is like a California king-size bed? Is it seven feet or seven and a half feet or something? Try a bed like just about twice the size lengthwise. That's why I say he comes to the dinner party and he just eats everything. It's gone. What happened to all those little hot dogs? Gone. Og. Og happened to our dinner party. We ask him to sing a song. Og does not sing. Og eats everything in sight and then goes and sleeps on his giant og bed. We allowed to laugh at Remembrance Day. I was, <laughs> I was preparing this um, sermon and I'm like, I don't know how funny I'm allowed to be on Remembrance Day. But then I realized, you know what? You fight a battle so that somebody else can laugh and enjoy freedom. And I fight battles for my daughter so that they can laugh and enjoy freedom. And, and I don't ever want them to have the same marriage struggles that we had because I want them to laugh and enjoy freedom. <laughs> All that to say, I'm not going to stop joking around. Verse 21, at that time, I gave Joshua this charge. Moses is speaking. You've seen for yourself everything the Lord your God has done to these two kings. He will do the same to all the kingdoms on the west side of the Jordan. Do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. I feel like maybe, and maybe you can tell me what, what you think. I feel like sometimes we get free and we get comfortable. And then we think that that was the end of the story. You get some sort of freedom in your finances and you think that that's the end of the story. Was so that you could get free. You, you get some sort of freedom in your, in your marriage. Am I going to get some help playing music here? Because I'm just about done. I'm just kind of trailing this out as long as I can. I got something to say about Og. But I realized this week maybe that um, I'm thinking about Canada's destiny and then I saw that video that Billy Graham had to say and I'm like, We're, we haven't done that yet. We haven't led the nations in a spiritual revival yet. And I feel like we stopped at the Jordan River and we're enjoying our inheritance on the east side, but there's still this inheritance on the west side. <laughs> there's still this story on the west side story. If you're under 30, you're laughing, but you don't know why you're laughing, because it's a movie, and Rogers and Hammerstein, you don't even know. It's okay. And I, and I, and I realized this. I realized this. You, you can imagine some level of freedom and then stop, or you can go armed in front of the next generation or armed in front of the next nation that needs to be free, or you can go armed in front of somebody in your neighborhood, somebody in your small group, someone in your freedom session group, you can go armed in front of them and help them. And, and I realized this year that we stopped, I think Canada has stopped at, at the, the inheritance that Moses gave two and a half tribes. But see, on the west side of the Jordan, there were 31 kings that needed to go down. 
And I kind of wonder what, what it looks like when, when these two and a half tribes went out against, against the 31 kings over here. You see those war movies, and I kind of wonder how they sort of ramp themselves up. To a, you're, not, you're Canadian, so you don't understand this, but you have to like ramp yourself up and strap your boots on, and you have to like chant things as an army and clash sword to, to shield. And you have to get into it and build your courage up. I, we had an, an old Scottish friend of ours when we were visiting there, and she said, she said, in the British troops, they would always put a couple of Scots, Scotsmen in there because they're crazy. And if you put two in there, they're going to compete with each other. And they're going to dare their battalion to do crazy stuff. And then everybody has to follow because these two crazy people are just like, oh, yeah, I can do it. Well, you think you can run up there? I can run up there. I can take out that whole nest up there. I can do whatever I want. And I think we need more of that. I think this insignificant thing, and let's let everybody else do it. Let's let everybody else roll up their sleeves and do the hard work. I think that you are called to more, and I think that our country was called to more. And, and I look over here and I think these two and a half tribes and this is how it is in your life. When, you, when God calls for a sacrifice tomorrow because we're a little bit worried because we haven't been there and we, don't, we know, we're starting to know that we're not going to be enough for the challenges tomorrow. But here's the thing. All you have to do to make the sacrifice tomorrow is thank God for the sacrifice you were already able to make. Because every king that they're going to face over here is just another hog. Oh, oh. <laughs> King Jerry over here in his kingdom of complacency, he wants your family just to get all the stuff and then to settle. You're like, King Jerry, his name's not King Jerry, his name's King Og, and we already beat one of him. Just another Og. You look at your marriage and the struggle you're facing right now, or maybe you had a failure in marriage, and you don't know if God could ever redeem a situation like that for you. And God's like, but I've already done something for you back here. And I'm, I'm, I used to be worried that if, if, if we were ever called upon to protect a nation again, that maybe the young people now wouldn't have it in them to sacrifice. But then, but then I go to the museums and the war museums, and I realize if they could do it, then we could do it. And if they could sacrifice in, in their generation, then we could sacrifice, and we could sacrifice even more because we have... We have these, these museums that we go in and look at and we honor the great sacrifice that has been done. But there was also a museum in the land that they took on the east side of the Jordan River. And I feel like whenever one of them was whenever ever any one of them was faint of heart, they would just go to the the museum of, of Og. That used to be his bed that he slept on, but he's not there no more. He's in that patch of ground over there, which has this unusually shaped area over it that has no grass on it. Roughly six feet wide and 13 feet long. I want you this week to get your boots on and take your sword in your hand and go and find the fight. And don't wait till it finds you. You know, the old, uh, I think in the old Roman in infantries, all of their armor was on the front of them. If they turned and ran, there's no armor there. I think we've been turning and running for too long from the fight. I think that you, you and I need to rise up and start striking a blow for freedom again. Start saying like, no, actually, we don't think that that's right anymore. No, uh, we've been called to something greater. Yeah, yeah, toleration, but we can't say that every injustice is good and that people are doing what's right. They are absolutely, no, freedom was not free, so let's use ours to find the freedom for other people. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I ask for every person that we would find it in you to sacrifice because if we're facing a mountain, all we have to do is look back at the mountains that we've already come through. 
When David faced Goliath, he had already faced a lion and a bear. And when he faced the armies that he would face, he had already faced a Goliath. And I think they would go out to war just chanting the name of fallen foes. You're going to be no different than that bear and what is King Og but just a big bear. You're going to be no different. I thought my sins were going to keep me away from heaven, but then Jesus sacrificed his life for me and bought an adoption into his family. And the struggle I'm facing right now raising my teenagers is nothing compared to that struggle. And if God can do that, then God can do this. And if he did it before, then God can do it again. Amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.